Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 398 of the Roguecast, recorded December 27th, 2022. Johnny Squirtle and Jonathan Eightpack. All right, as predicted, we did not have a podcast last week. It was just kind of too busy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, all the holiday stuff that you would expect, uh, there were some good books out, we're gonna recap, I think, a few of them this week, yep, yep. um, but we're not gonna take too long on it, um, we're also, we're also a man down this week, Nick, yeah, is, Nick out. is out, I think Nick was out last time we recorded, yeah, we did just... not kill Nick, Nick is still alive, yep, you, you, and if the cops probably... ask, that's what you tell them, that's right, that's right, and there'll be a free comic in it for you, <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't, we don't, uh, we don't forget our friends. That's right. We don't get forget, we don't forget our favor friends. Favor gets a favor. You cover for our murder. You get a free comic. Whoa, probably, whoa, whoa! Probably no, an older issue. Nobody said anything about murder. An older issue. Oh yeah, right. I for, yeah. yeah. Nick definitely has been murdered. Nick's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's not here. You might come in later and see him and be like, it doesn't really look like Nick. That looks yeah. like a, an good, actor hired to impersonate Nick. It's a completely Nick. different person, but it's Nick. <laughs> and if you say anything, we'll murder you. No one's getting murdered. I'm going to murder people who, who, who testify <laughs> against me. Dave, this is never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should probably have not been recording that. <laughs> But this is how we're going to close out the new year, the, 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 the 2022... New year. Close out the new year with the promise of murder. Murder talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's our attempt to get on board the uh, popular true crime podcast yes. uh, yeah. bandwagon. Even if we have to invent the true crime ourselves. <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, this is the last podcast of the year. Um, so uh, the only notable thing, I guess, is that we have a bunch of news to talk about. Comics. Yeah. Some trailers. Some trailers. We're not doing our best ever anything yet. I think I may have a... I think I, the best of may not happen, or or it might. I have not kept the uh, the list that you have, Randy. But does that not mean I couldn't come up with some stuff? I could come up with some you stuff. Could, you could, and then I'll be like, oh, that didn't come out in twenty twenty two. We talked about that before the actual th- show. Okay, all right. We might do a best of. We'll see. It's Jed McKay and Tom Taylor. It is Jed McKay and Tom Taylor. They won a, they won a lot of stuff. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and and I know there's a there's a few indie books I'd want to spotlight too, but I can't think of what they are. Me neither. <laughs> All right. Um, That's why we're not doing it today. No. <laughs> That'll be uh, the future point if we do get to it. We we did have a few more new games for the end of the year. We got the uh, Terminator RPG. Yep. Which I believe is by the same guys who do... Oh, no, that's Blade Runner is by the same people who do an alien. Terminator is a different thing, but okay. it looks cool. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I think my favorite... Um, we, we had a good game session, which we used as sort of a, a, a general system uh, for it when we did it. But we did a Sarah Connor yep. Chronicles game. Yep. Like 10, 12 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And, and it was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, I haven't looked at this, but I hope it has something of those kind of options. What I liked about Sarah Connor was that it threw options to not just be, you know, fight the one machine who's been sent back. There was kind of broader tapestries. And right. I bet they I bet they have ways to do set, set that I stuff up. I would assume so. Uh, I wonder if you can play a, a nice guy Terminator. If you Maybe can play so. a reprogrammed Terminator. A nice guy Terminator? <laughs> like Tom Hanks is the Terminator. <laughs> You know what I want to do? I want to play a, a, a T six hundred. The early ones you could yeah. spot easily because yeah. of the rubber skin. Yeah, I'd be like just this like doofus looking <laughs> fake doll automaton, but very play, dangerous. Uh, you want to play like a Megan style Terminator? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man! I thought we were having a conversation. <laughs> Look, I have learned your TikTok dances. <laughs> Pretty neat, huh? 
There's a mashup video in there somewhere. <laughs> yep. Um, we also got a couple of board games. Uh, Dice Theme Park, which is by, by the people who made Dice Hospital, which uh, okay. is a dice drafting game where you're building a theme park with dice. I love a good dice drafter. That's been interesting to me. And a game called Eternal Palace that I played at BGG, which is one of my favorite games. Uh-huh. It is a... You're basically... It's a resource builder. You're trying to uh, impress the Emperor and become his favored person okay. by building, like... Uh, statues. There's four statues you build, and you go back and forth controlling them and other stuff. And it's it's a really fun sort of dice based resource builder. So what's the new one called? Uh, Eternal Palace. Eternal Palace. Got it. Uh, and then Dice Theme Park is the previous other one. Okay. Um, Dune RPG produced Masters of Dune, which is the new uh, book for that. I don't know what the, the focus is of it. Oh, interesting. And then uh, we got finally the, we can play as worms. <laughs> we got a uh, Doctor Who RPG starter. Yeah. Uh, that the, the the Doctor Who RPG stuff. I watched um, uh, that game designer John Wick. He's doing one of his character creation, you know, thirty one characters, thirty one days thing. And he did one for the Doctor Who game, and I got a little bit of a sense of the mechanics uh, watching him do it, and it looked really fun. Like it made me kind of want to get the game. <laughs> so uh, we got the a new Unmatched. That's that miniatures battle game, mm-hmm. which has a really nice art. The new one is called Houdini versus the Genie. Yes. So, so Harry Houdini, Houdini. Uh, Skate Artist Supreme, and I assume that it's like the unmatched games. Of course, for those who don't remember, are like some uh, usually a combination of sort of public domain uh, adventure heroes like Robin Hood and King Arthur and stuff like that, but with some licensed stuff too, and some real people. Even Bruce Lee was in there. Yep. The d- a dinosaur from uh, Jurassic Park, like a, a, a raptor, is yep. in there. Yep. Um, and and so we, we and we played this. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. It's fun to mix and match just the weirdest kind of battles. Uh, so Houdini, I think, has special abilities to like kind of like uh, disappear, reappear, you know, sneak up on opponents. I'm sure all that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what his attacks are. Does he throw cards at you? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Rainy, you perhaps correctly guessed his weakness would be a, a kidney punch. A punch to the stomach. Yeah, that's what, that's what got him or an appendix. And I assume the genie's powers are he can do anything except uh, kill people and make people fall. <laughs> um, you know, a lot. Uh, I think a lot of times the, uh, like, if you look at, like, the old legends, it's like, the genies aren't all, all powerful. That was sort of more like, you know, Superman in the 50s became godlike Superman. Yeah. I think genies got that sort of reputation of, like, oh, just anything. Yeah. I think it used to be kind of like, like, I have great powers, I can do a lot of things. Did, uh, did genies used to beat up slumlords? But it'd be more like, is this a Superman yeah. reference? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but um, I, I am curious to see how that how it works, how they, how they have that. Um, but yes, genie versus Houdini. Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, we also versus got a, a raptor. We also got a new expansion for the Transformers uh, deck building game, which introduces the Dinobots. Nice. Uh, yeah, I like Dinobots. Yeah, and then uh, Marvel United, a game that's been sort of floating around. I think it was Kickstarter a while back. This is a miniatures game, little chibi style Marvel characters. Yep. Basically, you can buy a base game, and there's all kinds of expansions. There's X Men Blue and X Men Gold and yep. Deadpool and all that kind of stuff. So I believe our staffer John had even played it and said it was a good had, game. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, let's talk trailers. There were a few notable yeah, ones. Mostly these are teaser trailer kind of trailers. They are, they but, are. but some some solid ones and some interesting concepts. Uh, I think all three of these are good trailers. Uh, I don't know if all three will be good movies, but I have a pretty good feeling about them. Okay. But let's first talk about that Barbie trailer. Yep. Now, now people might be, who, who like have been watching this, might assume that a Barbie trailer would basically just be like a two-hour commercial, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, that's yeah. you could be forgiven for thinking that. 
but rather this seems like it's going to be one of those uh, quirky, subversive ones. The director is the lady who did some other stuff. Greta, I don't know what, Greta, Greta Gerwig. Gerwig. I don't know. I know she's, she's got an actress. She's, she's got a reputation as uh, for for I think good stuff, but I don't so know. Let's see. She she's uh, she's works with, uh, and this is the case here. Uh, she worked on and appeared in several mumblecore movies. Okay. I'm forgetting what what that means. That, what does mum- mumblecore mean? Mumblecore? Yeah, you, you've heard of this, right? That's like like music style. Right? No, no, mumblecore is like uh, oh right the, the not the we're the brothers who do this. The uh, um, God, I, I I now I'm gonna have to click through mumblecore, Dave. Sorry, I um, don't know. I, I couldn't it's tell a you. Subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, low budget film production, and emphasis on dialogue or plot. And a focus on the personal relationship of young adults. So, uh, the Duplass brothers is, are the ones I was looking is, for. Is Euphoria Mumblecore? Uh, Euphoria might be. I don't know. Euphoria's a show, right? Yeah, it's a TV show. But, um, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. The the naturalistic dialogue is where you get the mumbles, because it's supposed to sound, I'm sure, I have... So, influential ones are uh, Manhattan, My Dinner with Andre, Sex, Lives, and Videotapes, Slacker, Clerks. Oh. Yeah. So this is not like some new genre. This is just what we're calling it Those, now. No, this, these are the films that influence this genre. Oh, I got you. I got you. Because, yeah, a lot of those are like decades and decades yeah, old. Yeah, it was like in the 2000s this started showing. Okay. Um, All right, so she's been in some of these movies, like little indie movies. And she's also directed. Um, so she has directed... Didn't she do one of those, like, Jane austen movies? She directed Lady Bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she directed Little Women, the Little Women remake. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Um... And then she's done a few sort of smaller movies. But she also has worked with uh, Noah Bumbach, who is known for sort of like, what is it, the Squid and the Whale or whatever, like these sort of indie, very mumblecore yeah. things. And this is going to be a... It is clear that this is... If you've watched any of the, the, the teaser images coming out of it, it's kind of... It looks like it's going to be sort of a embracing Barbie as camp. It may be kind of meta... Uh, it's probably going to be cleverer than it should. You know, I feel like things like I don't know what else to mention. And there's like the kind of like Spice World and stuff, which some people liked. Yep. One of these things that's going to be cleverer than you think it is, and half made for adults. Yep. Um. So let's talk about the trailer, though. So yes, the, which which will give you an indication that it's not just an, a toy and, ad. And it's probably worth noting that the uh, Barbie is played by Margot Robbie. And, right, uh, and Ken is being played by Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling, but Simu Liu is also in it. Okay, uh, Shang Chi. That's uh, oh yeah, he's in this as well. Uh, there are a variety. There's a there's a multicolored Benetton rainbow of, of Barbies and, and Kens. I nice, think. Uh, but yes, uh, this this is a dead on recreation of the 2001 trailer, uh, or that is the, uh, opening the opening of 2001. Of 2001 yes. Yeah, uh, the, a narrator tells you. I mean, like if you haven't seen it, just go watch it. It's fun. It's hilarious. But a narrator is like, since the dawn of time. Uh, you know, as long as there have been little girls, there have been dolls, and they're like, and, and you, and they're playing the 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 spake Zarathustra, you know, famous two thousand one theme, um, and the uh, they're like, but the the dolls were always uh, like baby dolls, and like as the music hits its crescendo, where we would have seen the monolith in two thousand one is a like giant Barbie, like yep. fifty feet tall, yep. and it's Margot Robbie. And the girls, just like the like the cavemen in two thousand one, who like kill the warthog or whatever yeah. to eat it, yeah. they like smash their dolls, dolls apart, their yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, um, and, and yeah, flings the doll up into the air where it becomes the Barbie logo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is uh, a hilarious. So yes, the first teaser for Barbie was a uh, Stanley Kubrick reference to his sixties opus two thousand one. Yeah. 
And then you can tell uh, where it's coming from. I'll say this. Then they cut, and there is a little bit of the multi, the high, high color. Right. It's uh, Ken in like some kind of pink workout suit at the gym, yeah. and like guy, like people, like dancing and, and like doing stuff, and uh, Barbie looking stuff. Yeah, they're, they're that look, super they're looking, high. It looks, it looks great. Pastel, intense pinks look of Barbie. Uh, that tells you that they're going to do... I think they're going to do a campy thing that is not, in fact, like going to be... I don't think it's going to be a send-up of it. I don't think they're really going to be spoofing it. I think they're going to be having fun with it, but I don't think they're going to, like, satirize I, it. I think, like... You remember Charlie's Angels in 2000? Like, it was a... Yeah, there you it go. It was a dead-on riff on it, but it was clearly with affection for the source material. Right. Well, like, if you actually watch those show, those... Though, it's kind of, like, more, like, straightforward crime stuff yeah. just with, like, sort of half-naked women running yeah, around. sure. But the Charlie's Angels movie had McGee's personal signature style, which was surreal music video style. Yeah. I, and I think that would probably be also the kind of an influence on this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've got nothing, including this and some of the early leaked images uh, and promotional stuff, I've gotten only good vibes on it, as yeah. crazy as that might seem. I'm, I'm weirdly excited for the Barbie movie in 2023. Yeah. Um, there is also a teaser trailer for 65. Yep. Which is, um... Of course, it's a trailer about retirement. Right. Yes. Um, oh, no, it's not. It's a trailer about 65 million years ago when there were dinosaurs. Yes. And it's, um... It stars Adam Driver, and it is a sci-fi He's going to be an movie, action hero in it. And it is uh, from the people who wrote The Quiet Place. Right. Which is a, is a good movie. Yep. Suspense, horror. And this is... So, we were talking about this a little bit off mic. Basically, Adam Driver is a pilot of this spaceship. It hits a, an asteroid. It crashes on a planet. That turns out to be our planet 65 million years ago, and there are dinosaurs. Right. And he's using his guns and his... Uh, and there, were, there were people on this ship. It looks like only one like, young like, girl survived. Right. It's supposed to be like 35 people, but only one person survived. So in a pretty classic uh, thing, you've got like an adult protecting a kid against dinosaurs with guns. Yeah. No, but, the dinosaurs don't have guns. Uh, that's he is true. using guns to protect Comma, her with from, guns. Yes, yes sir. Um, <laughs> I want to be clear. But yeah, it's you know there, there's uh, the, the protect the kid uh, genre of action movies is pretty pretty popular genre or like it, it, it seeps into a lot of action movies. And we don't know anything about how the the actual plot of this works. Right. Like we don't know if he is from a far flung future. The, the ship definitely is beyond our technology now. It's not like some space shuttle. Yeah. This looks yeah. like futuristic stuff. Or is he like a humanoid alien who lived sixty five million years ago? And, and we're going to find out. Oh, there's lots of humanoid species throughout the galaxy, right. but something's been killing them off, and they had to flee. And he crashes on dinosaur time Earth. Um, we don't know. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and guess that there is indeed some time travel involved, but I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but, but it looks looks like cool action. Adam Driver kind of looks like he's having fun being the the stoic badass kind of hero guy. Yeah, um, and the the uh, like the the action looks good. The, the technology stuff looks good. If you've been watching Jurassic Park, thinking I wish they shot the these dinosaurs more, this could be the movie you've be been waiting for. for. You. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we got the trailer <laughs> for Scream Six. I caught up on Scream during the Halloween this year. I caught. Up, I watched four, and then the the current, then five, which was just called Scream. Yeah, uh, they were both really really good. Five I have in, seen only the first. So five in particular um, was written and directed by the same people who are doing six. The um, six is the, the new one. Yes, and they are the people who did. Um, God, what's the movie they've done? Um, oh, VHS and Ready or Not. Okay, uh, Ready um, or Not is great. Which one was Ready or Not? It was the girl who gets married, and then there's a gaming tradition. And, oh, yeah. I liked yeah. it okay. I really liked Ready or Not, and I liked it more um, when I watched it. But. Um, the, um, 
I wasn't going to say, oh, right. Uh, you know, I was just wondering, do people, like, nowadays know Scream? If you were a 90s kid, 80s, 80s kid, you know Scream. Yep. But, like, other than Ghostface, I don't, do people know that it's like, you know, it's the one that kind of spoofs and embraces the slasher genre, you know, that it came from Wes Craven, who did Nightmare on Elm Street, so it had this really strong pedigree behind it, and was kind of known for having pretty clever writing. Um, um, That said, I just never got around to the sequels. I always kind of figured they were lesser, but a lot of people have told me that it's like, they're all at least solid, and a fair number of them are pretty good. They're actually all really good. I think three is the weakest one, even that. I thought I was told two. Well, maybe it was three. Two's good. Three is... Three's a little weird. Three features Jay and Silent Bob for some reason. Wow. And it's in Hollywood while they're making... One of the big says... The, the third one introduced the idea, the meta-narrative, that they are making a series of movies called Stab right. that are based on the Scream stories. Right. So it allows them to do meta-stories about them. The Scream characters talking about, about Stab. About their own movie, yes. yeah. And that... The I mean, villain, that makes sense. The villains, the ghost faces often be people who are, like, mad about how they're doing the Stab movies wrong. Right. Uh, yeah, it's... Always what? a riff on horror culture and pop culture in general, and like probably like celebrities and stuff too. So let's just go ahead and say what's in the trailer. Uh, I don't know who these characters were, but the entire trailer takes place on uh, subway in New York, yeah. right? So they're moving into New York out of out of Woodsboro. These are some of the characters. One of whom is played by the Wednesday actress Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. And she was a big part of Scream, uh, Scream Five, right? Also, Samara Weaving is going to be in that. That's the you might know her as. Oh, that's not Margot Robbie? She was also in Ready or Not. Right. Um, um, Hayden, and Hayden Penetier, who is also in Scream 5. Oh, interesting. Uh, and Courtney Cox, of course, who is one of their lead characters. She's a reporter in this. Kind of a, yeah, she is, uh, a, a cutthroat reporter, usually, yes. I believe, is how yep. you would describe yep. her. Um, so, yes, yeah, so these characters who I don't know are on a kind of crowded subway uh, are there other masks on? Like it's Halloween. I can't tell if they were hallucinating at the beginning. There's only one ghost face, or if there's multiples. But there were like some faces. I think that weren't. There were like people other were costumes. Like, it's, it's, it's on Halloween or something, yes. right? Yes. And so you would expect, yeah. There's like a lot of people on the subway train full of it. But as the lights kind of flicker and stuff, you start to realize, oh, there's the the ghost face mask is on somebody. <clears throat> and then the lights go out for a few seconds, and they're back on. And there's like, oh, there's like three people maybe with with these on and. And then and then the lights go out again, and you're like, uh, you know, what is happening in all this in the darkness? And of course, as the, as it pops back on, it's like right in somebody's face. Uh, yep. Uh, I don't. There's not much more than that. It's no. just a. It's it's clearly the big thing about this is clearly the the changing the setting from like small town whatever. Yep. I don't know where where it's it set. Woodsboro. Woodsboro. Where's that supposed to be? I don't remember. Let's say Connecticut. Sure. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um. The uh, to, to to New York, and that probably means they're going to, you know, it's going to be a like a more urban setting. We're gonna they're they're probably going to. Well, I, I don't know what they're going to do with it as far as do you know plot stuff or anything? Nope. Just that that yeah, obviously New York is probably going to exert a lot of atmosphere on it. They're not since have a big fight on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Not since Jason takes Manhattan. Yes, has there been such a New York slash? Uh, I'm excited for this. The last scream was really good, and these guys, well, like I say, make make good horror movies. Uh, what I'm going to be interested in is, you know, generally speaking, there's a sense of like a small town is terrorized yeah. by a killer. Yeah. Well, it's like, can they do a story in which somehow the threat? Terrorizes a whole city of the size of New York. No, because it's going to be the ba- New York's going to be the backdrop. They're, these are the four survivors of previous Ghostface attacks, yeah. so that's going to be 
them making their way across New York. But New York is. A you don't problem. think there's going to be something where it's like, oh, there's a Ghostface cult or something like that. I don't like think that. so. I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to say there's a Ghostface. That's cult. not usually what they what they do in the screen movies. It's, it's very usually focused on one or two crazy people who are causing this whole issue. This is on a sixth one now. I know. Who knows what they might do? I don't think it's going to be a Ghostface cult. All right. Well, you've seen them, and I haven't. <laughs> uh, and nevertheless, I'm right. I'm putting money on it. Yes, Dave is going to going to bet. We'll a return to this cult. when it comes out. I'll have forgotten whatever I said, yep. but. Uh, that is definitely my but hard, I, will, I will remember my hardline stance. Yes, yes. All right, uh, a couple big retirements to talk about. One is uh, Pokemon is losing its big trainer. Yes, Ash, Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum will no longer be catching Pokemon. Yes, I believe he's had what twenty five years is what he they has said. Successfully so. caught them all, and anything more would just be uh, duplication of effort. He is not into excess. No, no, he's going to become like the Pokemon champ, or maybe has. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and uh, and either retire or his story is essentially done. He, um, I, he I asked I asked somebody she's going to choke him out. Uh, uh, if like uh, I was like I don't think he's aged in anything like real time. But is he supposed to be like a teenager now? Is he supposed to be like twenty? And like no, he's like still ten. <laughs> he's twenty eight and shaving. <laughs> he's that uh, little baby gangster from Bugs Bunny. Yes. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, I have seen enough. Uh, even even before Pokemon Go, I'd seen bits and pieces. I like Ash Ketchum. That then the whole gang they they travel across the Pokemon world and they like camp and they catch Pokemon and they occasionally run into nice trainers and sometimes they run into jerk trainers and they have adventures with Pokemon. Uh, I say he deserves just like Jon Snow. His watch is ended. He's hanging up his hat. Um, now that said, I don't know why this is kind of notable. Uh, I mean, I guess they, that that means they've continued to produce new cartoons. But I, I have seen there have been other new Pokemon trainers, like I think many of them even. Oh yeah, name three. Uh, Johnny Getem. Yeah, um, yep, that's right. That sounds like one. Yeah. Cynthia Jigglypuff. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Senior. Uh-huh. I think that's one of them. Um, and uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. Who yeah. they brought from the music uh, this industry. This is where I mean, I've never seen an episode of Pokemon. So <laughs> you could you you could just make up whatever you want. Johnny Squirtle. Johnny Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know what, what are we even talking about. Anyway, it's a big, we, it's big news. We big wish news. Ash well in his future endeavors. Yeah, good uh, luck, Ash. We hope that he gets lots of endorsements out of this. That he doesn't succumb to the Hollywood life and become a cokehead. I hope he doesn't get on Twitter. I just, I don't, I don't need Ash tweeting about QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to back you on this. By the way, Randy, I'm going to quick rewind to when we were talking about our new games. Yes. Did we mention that we got a bunch of new indie games? We did not mention we got a bunch of new indie games. Um, I just uh, just wanted to quick throw that out there. We have, like, h- how many new indie... There were about 15 new indie games. And we already have, like, a selection of dozens and dozens and dozens yes. of indie games. Uh, but And we re- restocked some favorites, including those solo some of those solo player games yep. that you can do that have elements of sort of like journaling and uh, sims type elements we in also them. we restocked a game called raccoon sky pirates which is always come in a box right this is randy sounding like a crazy person because of a disagreement he had a, in which he was wrong um <laughs> uh, no but um let's see are, are there any uh, i'm trying to think of some of the other notable ones uh, in there you know, if you haven't looked at these, if you only kind of know D and D RPGs uh, and some of the it's like sci fi RPGs and stuff like that, you owe it to yourself to see the wild diversity of the indie RPGs. Oh yeah, and, and a lot of them are GMless and no preps. So you just like pick it up. 
You're right. Through, It'll walk you, you through together. a night of fun. Yep. Sometimes it, it keys off of a movie. There's stuff that are analogs to so, Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles so I actually have or our, the Coen Brothers movies. I have a picture up from our uh, Facebook. So some of the ones that came out, uh, Fight Item Run, which is very much a side-scrolling uh, RP, uh, video game style RPG. Interesting. Uh, Hometown Holiday, which is a queer-flavored uh, Hallmark Christmas one. Right. Uh, Clever Girl, which is a two-player human versus raptor game. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are meant to like you know that Hallmark one. Some of these are almost are what I would kind of even call like cozy games. Yeah, they're not meant to be like they're meant to actually break that trend of like how like most a lot of games are essentially about sort of action and violence and combat and stuff yep. like that. And some of these games are just about like oh sometimes it's about making you laugh or sometimes it's about like kind of making you think about some moral conundrum or just inhabit a character that's kind of an unusual one for you. Sometimes it's hacking good doggos. Uh, what is heckin' good doggos? Uh, you're playing dogs. Remember there's like a mech setting where your dog's in mechs, and then there's a, there's like all kinds of uh, dog RPGs. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's something called Gas Bashers, which is definitely not just Ghostbusters. (laughs) Oh, right. Gas is not a common word. I like, when you say that, I heard just gas. Um. No, gassed. Gassed. Yes, like ghastly. Um. And then there's Goblin Errands, in which I assume you run errands for goblins. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. And there's there's more there's that's that's just a handful but yeah we got a bunch of those indie games are definitely worth checking out. Yep. All right. Uh, no. All right. Where were we? No, we we're talking about retirements. We we're talking about Ash. The other big retirement yeah. is that Henry Cavill has been retired from being Superman. Henry Cavill should just go ahead and retire from acting because nobody wants him anymore. <laughs> yeah, Henry Cavill uh, left Witcher because apparently, uh, well, I mean. There's now some story about how he was being misogynist, but I believe it's coming from people who I've heard. Maybe... I've heard that in combination with a just kind of like controlly on the set. Yeah, you know, well, basically, I think I think he he did not like the people making Witcher don't have an appreciation for the books, and he does. Was, was the story right? Was, and like, that he was like demanding they be closer to it, but like it seems like that came from potentially sketchy sources. Yep. So I'm not going to take any of that as gospel. I don't want to slander the dude. Nope. Uh, I think we all like Henry Cavill, as, at least as an actor. No well, idea. I, I think that the Henry Cavill being the guy who was dedicated to The Witcher and his the, and left because they weren't making the show he wanted to make, that is more paints him in a positive light. Right. But now there's stories out about, like, he was being a misogynist gamer bro. Yeah. And I'm like, that feels like it's coming from the showrunners who want to, like, run him down. Right. But yeah, the fact of the matter is, Henry Cavill, whatever else is going on, has been very classy in all of this. And yeah. then... He was told by Warner Brothers to tweet, you're returning as Superman, because he's at the, the tail end of Black Adam. And then... And then they hired James Gunn, and they realized they needed to rearrange, and James Gunn very nicely called in Henry Cavill and talked to him. He's like, yeah, man, uh, you're not going to be Superman anymore. Yeah. Uh, they, they they basically said uh, whatever it is that they're doing with Superman is going to be about Superman when he was younger, not an old, nasty man like Henry Cavill yeah. is. He's going to be... What is he? What is Henry Cavill, like 40 or something? Yes, he did say they're not going to do like... They're not going to do like a, a, a year one kind of thing. It is more of a in his prime young Superman, yeah. but it's basically Henry Cavill. I think... You know honestly, what, what, weirdly though, uh, let me just throw this out as an idea. Yep, yep. Even though I have not generally been behind this, I could almost see them doing, just because it hasn't been done before, a Superboy movie yeah. that is full Superboy with powers, yeah. early Lex Luthor battle, maybe informed by a little bit of Smallville elements, but obviously this would be a thing where you could do full special effects Superboy. Yep. You don't have to cut corners like Smallville did. Yep. And uh, and have like the legion of superheroes in it, and kind of big poppy superhero stuff, but maybe lens with some modern sensibilities. That'd be fun. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying, 
once they've once they re- rebooted a few times, consider it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I think probably that nobody's nobody's out and out saying because they don't want any more toxic Zack Snyder Bros. Yeah. But I think basically. Cavill was unfortunately a big centerpiece of, of Zack Snyder's universe. Right. And so if you have him as Superman, it gives all those guys an inch that they will take a mile to be like, see, all the Zack Snyder stuff still counts. Yeah. I think they need a clean break. Right. Yeah, that 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 subset uh, had gotten pretty toxic. And uh, the stuff that I'm hearing from James Gunn, uh, especially about what they're using as their guiding light, uh, thematically for for uh, or spiritually or whatever mm-hmm. for the thing, uh, is is great. And that guiding light is uh, Justice League Unlimited and Young Justice and Young Justice, both of which view the universe very holistically. Like they they he, they take in the entire DC universe and bring in B and C and D list characters alongside the big guns. Yep, and and also like they are like you said, holistic big picture stuff. It is not a oh let's try this movie see if it works. Maybe we can squeeze some element of it into link it to another movie. Yep. They're thinking about that right from the beginning, the way Marvel generally has. That, that is the correct touchstone. That makes yeah. me feel pretty good. Those, are, those, are, those two are great touchstones. Uh, anyway, poor Henry Cavill uh, seems to have lost out on Witcher, now lost out on Superman, but he's still swinging yeah. and has come up uh, already. So this makes me wonder how much of this was like already happening. Yeah. He went um, on his feet. Like, the next day they announced he is developing Warhammer 40k for Amazon Prime. Yep. He is one of these guys who's a 40k nerd he's in life. He's a big 40k nerd. Yep. Um, and... I think the, the the nobody knows. Any, I think a single detail about no, this. It's so early. I think all it is like we're going to do this. But if I had to guess, he kind of has the looks and chis- chiseled looks of an ultramarine to me. I bet he's going to play an orc. <laughs> he's a tyrannid. He's, he's going to be mostly under a bunch of CG and uh, paper mache. He's actually it's puppetry. He's all going to do it puppetry. Uh, he's, they're going to do it like Dark Crystal yes, style. Dark Crystal style tyrannids. <laughs> um. But no, he's he's gonna end up being like uh, Marnius Calgar or one of the heroes uh, of the of the Space Marines. Uh, honestly, I think the funner one would be something like Space Wolves. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of different chapters of Space Marines, and each one has a thematic. You know, there's like the Blood Angels and all those guys, and, and they they have a bunch of different cool looks and different themes. So they also could go back and do the Horus Heresy or something. Uh, that could be. Yeah, uh, that could absolutely be. Uh, that'd be an interesting place to start it. Um, but uh, anyway, I think he'll probably be a good fit for that. Obviously, it's a project he's into. That's If I were like more into the Warhammer fandom, and I do read some of the books and stuff sometimes, I kind of follow some of the fiction, um, played a few of the games. You're more into it than I am, and I'm actually am pretty excited about this. Um, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is... If I was a Warhammer 40k, you know, hardcore fan, I'd be into this because basically I like knowing that someone who really cares about the property is the key fig, key yeah. pl- player in it. That's always the secret ingredient, even anything that I'm not into. Right. Now, like, like that said, it's not necessary. It's like I didn't need for Robert Downey to be a big Marvel fan to play the role. I think a lot of the Marvel actors were kind of maybe even a little coached to sometimes be like hey take some pictures reading comics about your character yeah. or go to a visit a comic shop in New York and prominently buy some comics it's funny you say like that Benedict Cumberbatch. I, I saw a little a little uh, piece it was almost like a plant in one of these buzzfeed or something about yeah uh, yeah you want so it was it was one of these people bemoaning that Henry Cavill like Henry Cavill loved being Superman he went to the store look look at 
this Benedict Cumberbatch when he was being Doctor Strange and he was he was seen at Midtown Comics holding up a Doctor Strange comic. I'm like, really? Just randomly spotted? You don't think that was planned in any way by a PR rep? Uh, you don't you don't think Benedict Cumberbatch had been going to that shop for like 20, 30 years? And just uh, nobody had noticed? And nobody had noticed until yeah. then. How weird. <laughs> yeah. Now that said, I think we do always appreciate it. It's nice to see. It's a PR that honestly works. We yes. all kind of do a little bit of good faith uh, investment in it. I think in the same way we all like know Stanley might be a kind of human being with lots of faults, but when he's like on screen and stuff, he's like Uncle Stan. Yeah. I think um, to me it's like it's always a thing of like, well yes, I I like I appreciate them putting in the effort. Yeah. But don't be so taken in that you're like, oh look, there are I also don't think you shouldn't require someone to be a super fan to to play the character. For sure. Because For that sure. uses a cudgel of like, well Brie Larson only took one picture of herself, whereas I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. Right. Uh, but, like, I think, like, it, it's it's pretty cool. It seems like it's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think he's he's got decent chops to make uh, whatever Space Marine or something that they go with. Uh, our, uh, I would also accept uh, Eisenhorn, the Inquisitor, um, from a, that was from a series of books by Dan Abnett. Yep. Uh, or... The Dark Horse candidate, I don't think they would ever do this, because I think they're going to want to start a 40K movie with a person who is like a hardcore true believer of the of the Empire. Uh, but Caiaphas Kane, the uh, commissar from a... Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call those? They're um, not Space Marines, but Imperial Guard. They call them something else now, but uh, he's the Imperial Guard coward. You know about this guy, Randy? No. He's like a big uh, cowardly uh, like uh, commander who... Uh, is always trying to uh, be as far away from the front lines as he can, but he's got a sort of t- a g- little bit of a tactical genius, like a- intuitive tactical genius. So he does end up actually sort of coming out on top a lot, and people are like, oh my god, this guy's such a great hero. He's uh, he he clearly is like uh, loves the emperor and uh, loves the empire, and he just he's just bullshitting his way through his whole life. He's like the biggest fraud in all yeah, of there's there's no way they 40K. do that. Having seen him play Napoleon Solo in. Um... Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that movie? Um, the one that based on the TV show? Yeah. Yeah, that one. That one. Uh, he'd be great. <laughs> what was anyway, that show? Yes. Uh, Man from Atlantis. Uh, it was not Man, Man from, from Uncle? Man from Uncle. Yeah. Uh, we got there. We're getting there. Um, all right. Uh, Prime has a bunch of stuff going because Warmer 40K is on there. Mike Flanagan and his business partner. So it is. A, it is a, not a movie, but a show. It's a show. Okay, that, that's 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 actually better. Uh, Warhammer 40K is a good place to thing to develop. But also, Prime has uh, Mike Flanagan and his business, his partner Mover from Netflix. And right after they made that announcement, they announced that he is trying to try and do Dark Tower for Prime. Yes, another one of these. Every I don't think anything's unfilmable anymore. There have been several things that seemed unfilmable that have been done properly. <coughs> uh, that's true. Uh, they are, but I know there are some. Yes. Uh, I will think of them as we continue on and pipe up in the middle of something completely unrelated. Now, this would be a good thing to have Nick here for, because I believe neither you nor I have read any of the Dark Tower. No. Uh, I know that it is Stephen King's sort of dark fantasy western, that it ties a lot of his multiverse stuff together. It's got some meta-contextual stuff throughout it. Stephen King himself is in it. Um, And it's got, what, Roland? Is yeah, that the, the guy, the gunslinger, yep. the gunslinger, and uh, the man in black, and all that stuff. Uh, but jo- Johnny Cash, I mean, I think Edge uh, of Spider Verse really introduced the multiverse into sort of a, a, a yep. And then they they, they did uh, everything everywhere all, all at once, and yep. um, Doctor Strange, yeah. And the multiverse seems to be a thing. 
for sure. It um, probably means the CIA is prepping us for a revelation that we live in the multiverse we've always known about it. I mean, even, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, even on like the W or CW TV shows, their crossovers introduced multiverse yep. concepts yep. Uh, in there. So it is pretty much, if you're, if you're a genre fan, you have to you know, know about multiverse stuff. Yeah. Even if you're like Joe's six-pack, there's a decent chance you get the idea. And Joe Eight Pack on Earth Twenty Two, he knows about the movies. <laughs> you mean Jonathan Eight Pack? Jonathan Eight Pack, yes. <laughs> um, um, so what are we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about Dark Tower, Dave. Dark Tower. All right. Well, I can't remember why we were talking about multiverse stuff. That's why. Um, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I know that like the ending to it is a little divisive between people, but I've uh, I think I remember seem to remember Nick loved it, and okay. I, I know a fair number of people who were pretty happy with it. I think it's got one of those kind of time loopy sort of things. Like yeah. it ends at the beginning, and um, he caused his own death and birth. Or and then he wound up in sixty-five million years in the past with dinosaurs. <laughs> and he had to kill Ryan he Gosling. A, he had a gunsling against Ryan. No, Adam Driver. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Ryan Gosling is Ken. Right. Or combining everything. Ken, Ken is going to go back 65 back million years ago years. in the Barbie uh, town car. In the Barbie town car. <laughs> or townhouse. The tra- <laughs> they, they took the townhouse. Time-traveling townhouse. <laughs> That's his hot tub time machine. Bring in... And then he will fight a uh, raptor ghost face. <laughs> yes. Uh, bring in some Barbie swag to 65 million years and ago. And then Ash will show up and he will catch him. I'm, uh, coming, I think I'm coming out of retirement for one last, dino, <laughs> one last monster yes. catch. And Henry Cavill, the Space Marine, will show up too. <laughs> no Xenos. Um, that, that covers everything we've talked about so far. I don't know if people, by the way, know uh, about uh, Warhammer 40k stuff, but it's got a lot of xenophobia. In it does. It. The the thing that I think that they actually have a decent chance to catch is that it is uh, darkly satirical in a lot yes, of ways. Yeah. But within the stories that I've read, the characters take it all seriously, and they do, it's not like even even among the the Imperium, which you know are the uh, from the outside can look like the heroes, but are pretty awful. There's a lot of satire of like hierarchical elements of the Catholic Church yeah. and sort of sort of manipulation and things like that. Um, but um, I, I I will be curious to see how they handle it. You know, will it have that dark sense of humor? I hope it does. I hope so too. If it doesn't, then it's going to be a weird fascist show. Well, now. They're xenophobic against actual xenos, though. They're actual. They're actual aliens. That that is true. I and don't those know if that do want to eat everyone's faces. I think that has always been how they like it. Something of an easy way to justify it. It's like, oh yeah, these guys are like terrible fascist heroes, but the orcs genuinely are terrible. Tyranids are terrible. Yeah. I believe the Tau are pretty okay. They're advanced. Yes, they're, they're advanced. advanced. They're just trying. I think they're a little bit of a. Our technological way or the highway. Yes. Um, but anyway, looping back to Dark Tower. Yep. Uh, See, we it have, is all a time loop. We, uh, uh, I, I don't have any like uh, strong opinions on it, but I do think that Mike Flanagan, uh, who's already adapted some King stuff, he mm-hmm. did, uh, what was it? Um, Gerald, Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game. And Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. And and even when he's not adapting King, stuff like Midnight Mass feels, feels just like Stephen King. King. Like, yeah. if you've read Salem's yeah. Lot, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, there's some elements, uh, like a hundred elements of that in, uh, in this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I think it's not missed for me on TV or movies yet. Like I've liked everything he's done. Yeah, he's he is going to have as good a shot at Dark Tower as anybody, probably. Uh, all right, also at Prime, they're doing a God of War series. Oh yeah. Now this is from uh, uh, Wheel of Time showrunner 
Okay. And the writers include Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby. Great names, by okay. the way. Yeah. Who wrote Iron Man. Those are Man. actual characters, I think. <laughs> they wrote Iron Man and Children of Men. What, original Iron yep. Man-like? Yep. Okay. Those are... So those, those are those are solid. Yeah. So, so God of War, I've I played the original, the like, yep. Greek god thing. But I guess, Dave, I don't know if you know this, he basically hangs up his weapons in the Norse realm of Midgard. Yep. And then he his wife dies, and he sets out with his son to spread her ashes from the highest peak, and it turns out to be an epic quest. Yes, I played at least a little bit of that la- that game, which was, I guess, uh, God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, I think, yeah. and now they're on like the second one, what God of War Valhalla? I think sure. is, is the one that just so. one of them just came out like about a month ago. I just know he's a dad now. Yeah, he's a dad now, and he's got like a little scrawny kid, and he's like, "You got to be a man." Uh, and did you uh, see the commercial for the newest one that featured Ben Stiller? <laughs> oh and, yeah, uh, that was delightful. Yes, uh, bizarre. Yeah, just bizarre Very to see weird. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, this is another one of these that, uh, taken utterly sincerely, is probably a kind of a toxic masculinity. Uh, like, he is just, like, the, the biggest brute of them all. He's a dad. A Conan-type guy. But it's gonna... That's that's something that they... they Showing a dad who cares about turning... Like, he's, he's, turning, he's trying to turn his kid into a warrior, though. Like, he's not like, oh, I hope you find the, whatever path you choose. He's like, you need to be strong and not be weak, boy. That Like, that's all... All of his interactions are like that. There's, I think eventually it gets to some stuff, like, once you've played, like, 40 hours of the game, he's like, well, I guess I love you. <laughs> I think he'll say something like that, probably. There's um, a prompt. You can actually choose, <laughs> do you love your son, yes or no? And then it says or or you can use. smack him with the with the handle of your axe. Or you like to smack him with the handle of your axe. And, and like, say, pick up the pace. <laughs> um... Yeah, anyway. Would you like to say you love your son, or would you like to feed him to the dragon? <laughs> or would you like to turn him into a real man? <laughs> um, no, I, it'd be another, in a lot of ways, like 40K, it's one of these ones where if, if the writing is there, just like the Halo thing, like, yeah. it, it, it yeah. could surprise me and, and pull it off. I, um, I forget who the, who do they have playing Kratos? I don't, they don't know yet. It's gonna have to be somebody, like, as big as that dude who was. <laughs> Who was the guy in Jack Reacher? Oh yeah, that guy. That guy could be a space marine too. Who's the, the, the mountain from uh, from Game of Thrones? That guy's probably available, right? Yeah, probably so. Um, um, th- that guy's actually, that actually guy's, or the guy who played the Hound. He could do it. Uh, um, maybe so. I think, I'm trying to remember if he's like what age he is. Is he kind of older now? I don't know. Everybody's older now. That's how they all just have. They had so much greasy hair. Who, who, who could tell? A time loop back to 65 million. BC. Who could tell his age? <laughs> All right. Uh, this one, Dave, I really feel like Nick should be here for this one. Uh, Hideo Kojima is working on a Death Stranding movie. Well, I was the big Death Stranding fan. I know, but I thought the two of you together. Nick Nick has, has played a decent bit of it as well. Yeah. I know nothing of Death Stranding or Metal Gear. Well, I'll t- say this. Everybody who plays Metal Gear knows that Hideo Kojima, uh, while he is like as much of an auteur as I've uh, ever seen in the game industry because his like, games are so specific, often in weird ways... Um, he he's also often can come across as a frustrated filmmaker. Everybody who plays Metal Gear Solid knows there's these weird cutscenes that'll be like twenty to thirty minutes long, and you're like, oh, I'd kind of like to, you know, run around and do some cool video game stuff and beat up bad guys. And they're like, and he's like, no, you're gonna watch me doing uh, my take on American action movie tropes for twenty minutes, um, and, and he has like crazy convoluted plots. Um, but I also that that's kind of what part of the fun and and I, and I actually sort of like his thematics in them. 
so uh, Death Stranding, uh, I think, is actually a particularly interesting setting. Um, I didn't, ne- I'd never finished the game. It was a little bit too sprawling and open world, but it is a sort of dystopian game about uh, a uh, kind of future where. Um, he was meaning to do sort of a metaphor for, I think, the division that he saw during the Trump era, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his cases, these cities, the cities are uh, all the cities of the future are isolated. There's no infrastructure. There's no roads or anything like that. And you are a almost the postman type figure transporting goods between them, sometimes on foot, sometimes on a motorcycle. Literally, you have this like giant backpack with this like kind of futuristic suit structure that could rearrange how you carry them. But like you physically had to like trudge through a lot of stuff. Oh, and also there's these weird sort of pockets of uh, what I what would seem like ghosts that look like they're, like, floating, like, uh, creepy ghosts with, like, umbilical cords tethering them to the earth uh, that you have to occasionally avoid or deal with. And the rain, if it hits you uh, in this weird future world, ages you and kills you. Oh, yeah, just like our rain. So it is uh, an unusual story, to say the least. But I liked its tone and its its, its weird dystopian vibes. Uh, it was kind of trippy. Uh, certainly you're not going to see this and say, oh, that old story. Um, uh, I, I'm interested in it. I don't know. Is he directing it? I uh, no, no. He's just helping develop it. Okay, I think that's probably good. I think you know he has um, he has uh, he's a good game designer, but I wouldn't assume that he is you know is going to be a good movie director. Um, he does kind of tend to go long, but uh, consider me very cautiously interested because. I don't quite know how you pull it off. I, I, I fear it'll be something sort of like the first uh, Silent Hill movie, which right. was like, for me, I, I, like some people say it's the best game movie that there is. Not that we all know it's not a real high mark, uh, high water mark to hit. But to me, it is it is just adequate, or it's a little bit better than adequate. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be a heartbreak to have like the visuals and the stuff like all in place, but to essentially have kind of like Zack Snyder's Watchmen, where you're like. Uh, all the look, none of the none of the energy There's and no heart, soul. no soul. Um, so um, you know, fingers crossed. Good luck. Probably going to not happen yeah. or not work out. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, the weirdest story: Sony, in their quest to bring every drop out of the Spider-Man license, yes, is working on a Hypno Hustler movie with Donald Glover. Right. Hypno Hustler, broadly speaking, is a villain who is uh, name tends to come up as a joke. Yep. Uh, maybe exclusively? Like Big Wheel. Or like Big Wheel, yeah. When was he created? Still 70s? Man. 80s? I feel like gotta be the 70s. Um, and he was like a musician, I think, right? That's right. And I think he like uh, like hypnotized people with like his guitar playing and stuff like that. Sounds right. And I don't know if he sent him to do crimes or what. He's so obscure, even we don't really know much about him. Other than he's a super cheesy Z-list villain. Yep. Uh, again, a punchline for the most part. Yep. That said, Donald Glover's involvement makes me interesting, especially if he's involved in the writing. Yep. Uh, I imagine... Now, so this is going to be one of those Sony movies. Sony, right? Yeah. Uh, that won't actually have Spider-Man in it? Yeah, probably. Here's the thing. It's also probably one of these Sony movies that gets announced and never made. They've, they've done... That's they've announced dozens of movies they've probably never Probably for the best. Yeah. But I guess if it gets made, probably the best deal if they're not going to have Spider-Man be in it. Uh, which I still don't quite get why they don't like that Spider-Man. I think they don't fully have the... Like, 
I think they have to get the okay from Marvel to use Tom Holland. Essentially, and Marvel's like, I was like, nope, no, he's not going to be in your dumb hypno hustler yeah. movie. Or maybe Tom Holland is like, no, I'm not going to be in your dumb hypno hustler movie. That's possible. <laughs> so, assuming that would was the case. Uh, then I think their best bet would be that it's just like a weird little indie supervillain movie about a quirky-ass weird supervillain, yep. and Donald Glover will bring a lot of personality and energy yep. to yep. it. It could end up even with a good little low-budget script, or, or a smaller-budget script. So it could actually be something, but it's such an unknown quantity. Like, who knows? And I, I like you said, I, I, I bet it might not get made. I think that's very unless Donald that. Glover is real into it, he probably has the star power to make it happen if he was real into it. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's hard to imagine him though, like giving an interview and being like, "Well, I was always a fan of Hypno Hustler. I know he only appeared twice in 1983, but he was my favorite Spider-Man character." What seems more likely is that Donald Glover made a bet with one of his other actor friends <laughs> about whether he'd get this movie made. Like that, I can see happening. He's like, "I can't believe I got paid for two months." to make a hypno-hustler movie. <laughs> uh, he's like, you see this house I'm living in? This is the house that the hypno-hustler built. <laughs> I need to see him go to one of the big uh, comic shops and buy hypno-hustler comics. Yeah. So not, that we know he cares. If he's not reading hypno-hustler, then we know it's <laughs> bullshit acting. He's like, uh, he's like, we're actually going to be taking it back to the classic hypno-hustler, not like the... Not the uh, new Not as he was portrayed, not the woke hypno-hustler <laughs> of the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about comics for the last couple weeks. <laughs> we are talking comics week of Wednesday the 21st and the 28th of December. Yep. This is the last two weeks of comics of the year. Yep. Dave, favorite comic of the year? Uh, okay. Uh, I thought you had something ready. I thought you like... Boom. Man. This is my favorite comic. What's your favorite comic of the year? Uh, <laughs> Some Black Cat or something like that? It's, I mean, Mary Jane Black Cat is up there. That was yeah. a great That was a great issue. Um, I know yeah. Reckless is going to be high on my list, but that's a graphic novel. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Jed McKay, Tom Taylor. It was probably, it was probably an issue of Nightwing. Let's be honest. <laughs> if we had a favorite comic of the year, it was probably an issue of Nightwing. It's uh, it's fair to put it up there, but I feel like sometimes Tom Taylor drops a little bit when I'm doing the big final tally. Really? Because I I, I sometimes wish that he was a little push the edges a little bit more. I sometimes feel like he plays a little too safe, but I also think that his craft is like just top top, and uh, so um, uh, always look forward to his stuff. But just sometimes. I think last week was a Tom Taylor Tuesday. I think we had Nightwing and also maybe Superman, Son of Kal-El. I think both those were maybe last week. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. No. There was definitely a Nightwing. Uh, I feel like there was something else that was also Tom Taylor. This week, there is a Tom Taylor book. He is involved in Action Comics. We'll talk about it in a minute. But also, this is a Jed McKay Tuesday. Yes. McKay Tuesday. McKay Tuesday. <laughs> uh, we're trying to make it happen, y'all. Uh, forgive our utterly terrible marketing. Let's uh, let's start with that. So, in addition to there being a Moon Knight issue, which is a really good Moon Knight yep. issue, I think uh, people may remember. Uh, I came in on a random Moon Knight annual just to see what was going on. Yep. Found it was very approachable. Yep. I got everything I needed to know from it. It was a really fun annual, and had him uh, teaming up with his old West Coast Avengers buddy Tigra. Uh, do they have a romantic thing, Randy? I don't think they do. I think they're. Uh, just, they're just friends. They're good friends. He, okay. He's his furry friend. Fair enough. Um, and 
Uh, and then I'm Tiger of my human house cat. <laughs> uh, and then I've been following the uh, last few issues where he's been dealing with the. Uh, I guess this showed up in the annual the, the vampire cult stuff. The structure, I think, is what they're called. Yeah, or the the vampire uh, multi level marketing cult. Yes, since uh, Moon Knight has always had a foot in in like horror genre stuff. Yep. Uh, it's it's a really good fit. And uh, Jed McKay did a really good job. Yeah, it's so a big, now it's a big story development this week. We come to you know this is a uh, well, I thought it was like a crossover thing, and I guess it's not. It's it's a it's one a, shot. It's a Kang one shot called Timeless, which they also did one last year. That's ostensibly kind of like a lead into stuff going on the rest of the year. Kang was sort of the point of view character, but they they definitely teased a lot of stuff. This time, this is like a f- actual story. They so they they do tease stuff in here too, but it's basically like in little panels of visuals. They show like Tony Stark reaching for a bottle and someone and someone else in jail and the Beast, right? And Doctor Strange, like they don't give you know since sense. since the, cur- the 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 new Iron Man, which launched with a strong first issue, is apparently going to like put take Tony. I don't even know what I was saying. Take Tony. Take Tony to some very dark places. So yeah, that's like. He's, he might go back to drinking again, um, but this is this is a very what I liked about this story mm-hmm. is a Jed McKay toned down his kind of lighter stuff, which he sometimes uh, or would often do with like Black Cat yep. and things like that, and even some degree with Moon Knight, uh, and told a pretty serious story from the perspective of Kang the Conqueror. You know, the he's like the Alexander the Great uh, of time traveling supervillains, a guy who feels like he's conquered it all, but finds out there's one thing he doesn't have access to in this. Do we want to say what it is? Uh, it's called The Missing Moment. Right. It's like literally some very secretive and apparently very important, like something substantial happens in it, but it's like a single second in time. And this guy thinks he's like seen everything, accessed every area of time potentially, but he can't see what happened in here. And whatever it is, is super important. Yep. And it is just tearing him apart. Um... And you see some of his kind of brutal quest to get it in the beginning. And then you find out, like, a force uh, sort of arrayed against him, which uh, actually puts him on the run. As much as he's, like, a badass who kind of knows he's a badass, he shares some qualities with Doctor Doom. Yep. Um, he is kind of on the ropes a little bit through a fair amount of this. And I found it a very readable issue. Like, I'm... I'm Right, I think we've had this discussion. Kang is a big villain. Yep. Neither of us are particularly big Kang fans. He's, it's tough to write him. That I, I don't think of there as being too many great Kang stories, except for... Well, maybe the best is Kurt Busiek's... Kurt Busiek's Kang story, yeah. Uh, that was at Kang Dynasty, yep. where he, he kind of won. He yep. know, was a Kang wins yep. kind of thing. Yep. Um, but uh, beyond a cool look and an iconic status, you know, he's a Kirby design and all that... And, and a time traveling conqueror is a good concept. It is. It is. I just I don't have any special fondness for him, and I was pretty on board this. I Jed, Jed won me over. Yep. Uh, you um, liked it too, right? I did, and also like he's there. He puts him up against a group of adversaries. It's interesting, and it seems to be a lead into what's going on in the Avengers in twenty twenty three, which led us to speculate that maybe, just maybe, Jed McKay will be writing the Avengers in twenty twenty three. I think uh, he'd be a good fit. I sure hope so. It's. Uh, if Marvel is smart, they will have picked up on the the good vibes this guy puts off uh, on his books. It's kind of a mixture of kind of modern writing style, but an appreciation for some sort of old school vibes. Um, well, the last time I, I the last time I really enjoyed an Avengers book was Mark Wade's run to Turn to the Champions. So, like, it's been a while since I've really enjoyed the Avengers, and I would yep. like to enjoy the Avengers again. Yeah, it is it is a tough one. Yep. And you know, I'll say this like. 
McKay might not be perfect for it, but he, he seems like a team player who's, you know, will work along with whatever people are doing. He's writing a dark web crossover thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yes, I, like, I think Avengers has possibilities to have something of a return to greatness under him if it happens. If this isn't just pure speculation and wrong speculation. Right. Who knows? But in the, the short term, uh, the uh, what, timeless is absolutely worth your time. Yeah. I remember reading the previous year's Timeless, which I believe he also wrote. Did he? I thought I read that somewhere. Oh, okay. I might be wrong. But I don't think it impressed it, it, it like impressed me as much. Maybe the focus on the story in this one and not like, oh, I'm seeing little snippets that are clearly hints of just what's going right. to happen. It was almost like a trailer. Like a promo for uh, coming Marvel. Yeah. This doesn't this feels like a story that happens to have little glimpses of the Marvel's future in it. Yeah. And so on that uh, 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 note, I definitely recommend it. Uh, yeah, you're right. He wrote the 2021 as well. Okay. So, yeah. Um, a couple of things from last week I want to mention. Uh, both licensed things. Uh, the Witcher, The Ballad of Two Wolves, which I assume is a reference to the There Are Two Wolves Inside You. I don't really know. Yep. Nice art. Uh, it's got Witcher. It's got his bard. Uh, if you're a Witcher fan, you might want to check this out. I believe it is another story that is uh, not... It's of a piece with the Netflix stuff, but I believe it's not in continuity with it. It's more like based on the books and the video games. Right. Uh, and then Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma, <clears throat> which picks up right after the end of Strange New Worlds Season 1, and then is dealing with a big plot from the end of Star Trek Season 1. Yeah, if like without quite saying what it is, essentially a character is like arrested um, for some something big that was revealed about them, and uh, if it seems like they might be addressing that in yeah. this, which leads me to wonder... Oh, why do they make it such a big cliffhanger if it's not going to be resolved on the show? Right. But who knows exactly how these interrelate? Um, and uh, but uh, Randy, did you say pretty pretty good first issue? I really liked it. It's it's got it's got a feel for all the characters. Uh, Stranger Worlds is one of my favorite shows this year, and was definitely my favorite Star Trek. Uh, and so I, I thought they did a really good job with it. Stranger Worlds is great. Yep. Um, and then we get to this. Oh, and then one other thing: the Harley Quinn uncovered, which you may have mentioned before. I don't remember. Yeah, we aren't we aren't sure if we covered this or if it was like last week or the week before. Right. But it's a Harley Quinn cover collection. You know, the, the DC has been their cover game has been really good lately overall, mm-hmm. and a lot of their variants have been exceptional. And this is like all the best kind of Harley Quinn covers and variant covers. Uh, you know, cartoony art, realistic art. If you like, if you have the fondness for Harley Quinn. This has everybody from, like, uh, Amanda Connor on it to, oh, I'm trying to think who some of the other big ones are. Um, Derek Chu is one of Derek them. There's a lot of Derek Chu in there. Uh, Olivier Coipel did yep. one. guy named Warren Lau? I don't know how you say it, but he's he's got a bunch of good ones in there. Um, uh, Art Germ uh, has some stuff in here. Uh, anyway... For for the Harley fan and completist, or if you kind of just like the pinup vibes of some of the uh, Harley stuff, uh, it, it is you know pretty pretty much a must buy. Uh, they I don't know that they, I don't think they have just a straight up Harley poster book out right now. Uh, there might be one. Well, I'm sure there's one that has a heavy uh, Harley Quinn because there there are all those poster portfolios. Right, but like if you get Art Germ, even <coughs> though he kind of mostly does sort of pinupy looks, yeah. she's probably on like two of the 20, you know. Right, right. Um, so this is just all Harley Quinn all the time. Uh, all right. Then we've got um, Action Comics 1050 was this week. 
Right. So this is the start of the. This is the, they're going to do a big Superman that's going to be basically three stories in it, and then they're also relaunching Superman, uh, Son of Kal El, as uh, Adventures of John Kent. I think. Wait, you said they're going to do a Superman that has three stories in it. You're talking about a new title? Action Comics is going to have three Superman stories in it. As a persistent thing? Yes. It's going to be sort of more anthology-like, I believe. So it'll presumably be uh, 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 Clark Kent they got a whole Superman family thing going. I don't know who it's going to be. That's true. And, um... Because yeah, John, given... Like, that could also, of course, include Supergirl. Right. It could include... There's a bunch of new characters I didn't The alt-universe... Uh, like, alt-universe versions. It could even include the bad guy from uh, Earth 2 or whatever. I believe Connell will be included. Yep. Uh, so, so anyway, that's not a bad idea. A lot of Superman fans, like generally Superman fans, like the mythology of yeah. Superman, and especially '90s fans remember all this stuff that had like the S symbols that showed you the reading order. So the more I think about it, the more I think that might be a good idea. But this Action Comics is the sort of uh, closing the the door on the what has been going on and uh, doing the big thing of uh, putting the, the genie back in the box or the. the the bottle, box, the bottle, the bottle. Yep. Of Superman's identity being public, right? There's a Bendis thing. Bendis, if you look through, but Bendis cannot resist revealing identities. And Superman's was like the last holy grail. Like really, the only the only one he had was uh, Batman. That was like the only one that, that has not been revealed at this point. It's true. Um, uh, I think we have maybe some disagreement over whether the means by which it happens is. Uh, is clever or not, or good or not? We, we do. Dave is. Dave will take the con position. I will take the pro. Yep. Uh, I will, as with the uh, sky ra- raccoons, uh, sky pirates, raccoons, yes. always coming in a box. I will go to my grave saying that I was right, and I have no way of proving it. <laughs> this is the same argument. I have no way of proving that this is the best way they could have done it, but I think it may be the best way they could have done it. Well, while you are perhaps, possibly, theoretically objectively right about the raccoons. <laughs> this is purely subjective. Yes. Um, and and I'll, I'll say this. I think we both are happy to have it happen. Yes. Secret identities, um, the, the worst tropes of them, which is to say lying to loved ones. Yes. Not a big fan of that. I, I think the evolution of it that we've seen in some mediums is, has gotten uh, gotten better about it. The Broadly, I think the format in which a few close loved ones know the deal, mm-hmm. nobody else has to know the deal. His parents know. Is a good... His, is, his wife knows. His, his son, son knows, knows. Batman knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly why is is reasonably clever and arguably has been set up for quite some time, and mm-hmm. we just didn't know it was being set up. Um, but, uh, so yes, I... Honestly, I don't even mind if they get there in a slightly cheesy way or a way that I think is a little hacky or something like that because I'd rather it be done and they just kind of move on yeah. and, and, and just undo Bendis' dumb thing. <laughs> Whereas I found this to be a very clever way to do it and I thought there was a lot of little elements of it that really worked for me. Like I was worried after your reaction to it that I wasn't going to enjoy the story and I actually found this to be a very enjoyable story. I like I, to give I, people I, really like a, I like to give people a negative read on something and help bolster their experience when they read it. They're like, "Oh, it didn't suck like Dave said." <laughs> uh, uh, I thought this was a good this is a good story. I do think there's actually lots of good moments in it and some very yeah. good artwork in yep. it too. Yep. Um, pe- people should pick it up just to see what's what's going on in Superman and how they did put the genie back in the bottle. But I have the feeling because Tom Taylor is going to stay involved, right? Yep. Yeah, he's still writing the suit that John Kent. I like the. I think I like the idea of some of what they're doing here. We we don't know the deal, but like Superman when he came back from Warworld, his power seems like back like yeah. Silver Age style. Yeah, Grant Morrison, crazy, yeah. high level powers. Yeah. Not always a fan of that, but 
I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do with it, it used, because it was, used I've well seen, it was used well here, and I've seen it used well in, of course, All Star Superman. I am I am game to see what happens. I like the idea of a sort of an exciting new time for the Superman books. Also, they introduce a familiar face from another alt Earth into John Kent's story. I'm looking forward to seeing where that yep, goes. I thought that was very interesting. And they uh, reintroduce a classic Superman foe. Yes, uh, also also an interesting vibe. On so the... this was really good. If you're if you're kind of want to see what's going to come up with Superman. It's worth checking this out, I think. I agree. Um, even though you think it's dumb. Even though it sucks. <laughs> I guess, see if you can stomach it, gentle reader. <laughs> so dumb, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, all right. There is a uh, Star Wars The Higher Republic, The Blade, a miniseries uh, set in the sort of the high era of the, the Jedi and all this kind of stuff. I have not liked a lot of The Higher Republic stuff. But this one, introducing a uh, sort of brother and sister Jedi, sort of on the edge of edge of the galaxy, working with the Republic Pathfinders, uh, I really liked. I thought this was a good good story. What you I mentioned the about the, the way the Jedi were portrayed is something uh, my buddy Fathery uh, talks about liking this. The Jedi not as like agents of the Council, but as more like wandering Ronin, doing good, yeah. having adventures kind of thing. Uh is 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 a, is a better is a more interesting take on Jedi? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's also a really I thought it was a really solid action sequence where he uses his uh, Jedi telekinesis in kind of interesting ways. I liked that a lot. Uh, Randy, it sounds like you are ready for the what the Acolyte show? That's the one that's going to be for the Acolyte show about the uh, High Republic era. Yep, uh, we've got Sandman Universe Dead Boy Detectives. This is by the writer of the Good Asian, which was a really good sort of noir detective story. Yep. And uh, this brings back a couple big Neil Gaiman characters. Obviously, the Dead Boy Texans themselves, but also a, uh, a character from Sandman is in there as sort of a supporting role. Has really fun art. Like, I really like the art on it's, this. It's really good. I didn't read it, but uh, Serena was like, oh, this art's great. And I was like, give me that. Let me see. Well, I'll say, so So uh, the writer is is Ty, and uh, he introduces, where the Dead Boy Texans are very English. They, they're ghosts who came from an English boys' school. Right. And they decided to become detectives. Right. Um, and they're about as good at it as maybe even, like, they're less than like Encyclopedia Brown. They're they're not great detectives. <laughs> right. Uh, but they meet up with these other ghosts who are from uh, Thai mythology. And they the, uh, the guy who's explaining to him is like, there are uh, hundreds of different types of ghosts in, in Thai culture. And so I thought that was an interesting way to uh, yeah. for the writer to bring his, his own story to it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really good. It's uh, it's it's a good first issue. Uh, we have John Stewart, the Emerald Knight. It's a new sort of sci-fi take on one of the big classic Green Lanterns. Yeah, what I, what I got kind of just when I was making the sign and doing a little research on it, it clearly is building out of events that have come from recent Green Lantern issues in the last few years. But, uh, specifically, uh, he is, like, fighting a sort of, uh, John Stewart's fighting a sort of battle with one of the new gods, like a renegade new god, mm-hmm. um, in, like, kind of like a, it seems like a dark sector of the galaxy or universe where, uh, they are essentially cut off from standard Green Lantern reinforcements and options, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, that's a, that's a kind of a cool idea. Uh, I and like... got, like, Kilowog and Salak and some of those guys with him. Yep. But uh, also, Randy, could you tell? I don't know. Is it a one shot? Is it a mini series? Is it an ongoing series? I could not tell. I believe it is an, a mini series. Okay. I'm not sure. That would make some sense. I'll scan it later on and see what the computer tells me. Uh, now we do have a one shot this week called "Tales from Earth 6, a celebration of Stan Lee uh, around the time of his hundredth birthday. Uh, about twenty years ago, a little over that, I yep. think. Stan Lee did this project for DC called "Just Imagine Stan Lee Creating the DC Universe." 
Um, I think basically the the conceit was they give him a name, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, etc. Yep. And he would take uh, only the name, just whatever that evoked in him. And uh, I think he did he work with other writers. I know he worked with other artists. He worked with other writers and a ton of like big name artists. I think John Romita Jr. was one of them. Jim Adam Lee was one of them. Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes. Uh, Gary Frank. Uh, um, what's his name? McGuire. Kevin McGuire. Dave, Dave Gibbons. Kevin McGuire. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, it was a John chance Buscema. to, as Stan was kind of getting on in his years, to have a. Ch- I think what many saw is probably like something of a final chance to work with him. Yeah. Anyway, fun project. Not like amazing, but like a fun chance to see like you know what he did with just the name Superman. No, no Krypton mythology, none of the other stuff. But it, he would always just kind of build up an, an imaginative new take on the character, and the, so. This would have been the anniversary. This is the anniversary of what would have been the, his hundredth birthday. So uh, this is a return to those characters. Yeah, Just a uh, series of one-shot stories in a nice bound volume. Yeah, uh, with, with again a lot, like a lot, lot of a lot of good artists. Yes, and a couple of like Mark Wade wrote, writes one of them. A lot of people, the people who are currently writing Wonder Woman, wrote one of them. It's it's a lot of creators from the DC universe. Uh, but like, I'm trying to think of who the who the notable artists are that you'd see in here. But um, I saw I saw names. So, uh, that's all the variant covers. Also, a bunch of variant covers. But yeah, it's a good showcase of... Uh, there's a Lee Weeks, there's Kevin McGuire, there's um, uh, Juan Ferreira. A lot of good artists in this. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want a little bit of that, you know, Stan kind of like... His style was always kind of topped out as sort of a bra- in the Bronze Age, I would say, of comics. Yeah, yeah. And so if you want some of that sort of Bronze Age fun, if you read the other Just Imagine comics that he did... Uh, and, and want a little bit more of that, check it out. It's also, just the, the format is really nice, the visuals are great, so. Yeah. Um, we also get the big sequel, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two. Yep. Uh, or volume two, volume I guess. Volume two, yes, or, or just two. Yep. Uh, the first issue of that comes out this week, and it, uh, I didn't read the previous one, I don't have like a huge fondness for Power Rangers, and I like the turtles. I understand that there was a Green Ranger Shredder, yep. that there was a yep. Turtle Zord, well, they're they're all buddies now, and so it starts with Casey Jones dealing with this maybe this evil ninja girl, and uh, then the turtles and the Power Rangers are all like off doing their things together, and some threat is ra- is raging. It's a good intro, and it has phenomenal art by Dan Mora. You know, we talked about the other uh, uh, earlier off mic how they they managed to pull off some pretty good crossovers with Power Rangers. Uh, about which you and I have no... We don't have any nostalgia. That nope. was just a little past our era in the 90s. Yep. But, like, Tom Taylor did a good Justice League Power Rangers miniseries. Uh, the Turtles themselves are in a... James Tinian did a good Batman Power uh, uh, Turtles one. So, uh, these kind of crossovers, which could be could have been hokey, uh, actually have a pretty solid chance of being good these days. Yeah. Um, there's Book of Slaughter, which is a new one-shot. I believe it's a one-shot. Uh, tied into the uh, Something's Killing the Children universe. Yep. It is a story, uh, but it is also sort of a guidebook to the. Uh, is it called The House of Slaughter? I don't know. The, 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 there's the like something order like. Order of St. George. Yeah, it was there, there's an order of something. So it talks about the hunters, talks about the different masks. It's like about, a, it's it's got like a lore yeah, section it's got of the lore section, but it's also got a story about training and that kind of thing. It's another really good bit of, of Tinian's world building. Yep. Uh, uh, it's worth noting that there are new issues of Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and the final issue of Nice House in the Lake this week. Yep. Um, and then want to mention a couple hardcovers. Uh, Nightwing Volume 2. Tom Taylor's uh, really awesome one on Nightwing. Gets its second hardcover just in time for uh, 
the the end of the year. We also did finally get the volume one back in stock, so yep. you can get that and Fear State, and you have all three of the hardcovers the entire run so far. Yeah. Get that, uh, if somebody got you some uh, gift certificate money or you're a little flush with Christmas cash or something like that, Nightwing would be on, on the high list of recommendations. Nightwing's actually my favorite comic of the year. Well, nobody cares right <laughs> We're not doing the favorites yet. We are. Don't, don't, uh, shoot your one. And then the other thing to mention is a, an older project that's back in print, the Sleeper Omnibus. Oh, yeah. This so, is uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. One of the early projects that kind of like, he was already on our radar. Yeah. But this was kind of uh, him kind of like, I think really finding a tone that fit him, mm-hmm. but was still uh, rooted in like the, the Wildstorm universe in this case. Yep. Uh, what was it? He had an original character, right? He did a story with Grifter, but that was a little prelude. This was the actual story, right? Yes. This Grifter was the point blank that led into So basically it's about... An undercover supervillain. Right. Or like like an undercover guy in the supervillain mob. It's yes. not like he's a big boss supervillain. No, no. He is a... He is a, a, a he's a solid... Howard flood. Mook. Yeah, but like kind of more like a lieutenant yeah, maybe would yeah. be. Um, and uh, it is about uh, the, uh, the the rough characters he, the, he, he meets up with, the femme fatales, yep. the bruisers, like a guy named Genocide. Yep. Um, and I believe and, it starts with his handler being killed, basically, so nobody knows he's undercover. Right. Classic undercover kind of trope. Um, and it's it's really good. It's very dark. It is. It's very super dark. super good, though. But then again, I don't know that Brubaker's really written anything that I wouldn't in some way describe as dark. No, I don't think he has. He's not a wacky guy. He's not. Uh, that said, Randy, you and I were both reading the image anthology thing that they put out this week, yep. which has a criminal story in it, and laughing at the dark humor, yes. the extremely yes. dark humor yep. of a Christmas story set through the eyes of one of the characters from his uh, Edward Baker's criminal series, yep. uh, an utter kind of deadbeat dad guy, yep. um, and uh, it was... But kind of hilarious, yeah, too. Yeah, kind of sure. hilarious. Uh, all right. I think that wraps it up for us for the week and for the year. Yep. We're not gonna, we, we don't have any like features to talk about this week, uh, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get back into more movies and games and stuff that we've been playing next week. We talk plenty long. We talk plenty long. Especially right. Randy. Yeah. And Dave. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, that'll, be us for, that'll be us for 2022. We Happy will see 2023, you. y'all. We'll see, we'll see you in 2023. And until that time, yo, Joe. Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.